Hello and welcome back to Hexgrid Hangouts. This week I'm joined by fellow Starfinder homebrew podcaster Cameron from the Sinister Shenanigans in Space podcast. All right, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you. Uh, longtime listeners will remember Cameron from the crossover episode we did with Sinister Shenanigans and the Cosmopunk podcast. Uh, brought you in to uh, talk uh, a fair bit about your podcast. I've been wanting to get you and uh, possibly your GM, Jeff, uh, to, to come hang out and, you know, talk about your podcast, which I I feel like at this point I, I'm the adoring fan from Oblivion about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's real, it's real good, folks. So, uh, we're, and we are going to be talking about the uh, evolutionist play test uh, later, but uh, Cameron, why don't you tell, tell the folks about uh, your wonderful pod? Uh, yes, yeah, so I am a player on the sinister shenanigans in space podcast we uh the gm jeff as don mentioned he obviously spins the story for us and then there's six of us players and we just have a lot of fun basically um we're all it was an informal evil campaign like it wasn't required (laughs) but it's more or less an evil campaign but we try not to do the like cringy evil it's it's more personal vendetta type stuff um so we yeah we basically just have a ton of fun with it and and and, and i think it's realistic the way you guys approach the evil stuff like it's not like uh, okay you guys had one character that was mustache twirling evil Mm -hmm. uh but you took care of him yeah (laughs) and uh but uh, it's it is good like that personal vendetta stuff like i feel invested in some of the terrible things some of your crew does uh while you know shaking my head and messaging you at four in the morning of my reactions about it uh it's still like an endearing story throughout so and uh so we were talking a bit about it before you played like one through four levels one through four like offline and then you guys didn't really start podcasting until you were like established at level five kind of thing yeah pretty much we uh we threw the idea around in the beginning but it, we never we never made it happen and then about you know four or five somewhere in there we finally committed to podcasting it and uh so there's seven of you total six in the gm mm-hmm. that's a full table yeah it is uh <laughs> but you guys all do a very good job of like everyone has a distinct voice which i i, I love i there's some podcasts uh, and I'm not here to like, you know, denigrate them, but you know, they're doing their best, but you know, some groups like they're, they're all like hometown friends and they all have the same exact voice. <laughs> and so it's difficult to kind of parse out what character versus what player, but you guys, each of you have a very distinctive kind of presence about you. And, uh, it's just, it's like, I never feel like, uh, I have to like backtrack, like, no, they said this. So it's, it's all very good. So, uh, Kind of an evil campaign. You guys are homebrew. You want to talk a little bit about the universe world that uh, Jeff has created? Oh, man. So we wrapped up our Pathfinder game, and we took a hiatus for probably a year or more. And Jeff, he just went to town. Uh, astrophysics, uh, astronomy, everything. He... He built the cluster because it's a full star cluster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't map out everything yeah. in the star cluster, but he built an entire star cluster and 
it's the amount of effort he put into it is astonishing. Uh, some of the lore tidbits that he drops, or he has like a we have a not a rule book, but I mean we've got like a dossier of all the stuff that your character could know type of thing, and some of the lore in it is phenomenal. He's put so much time into it. He had a lot of fun. Yeah, it it definitely comes through, and I've seen a couple of the Reddit posts of him like sharing, like here it is. I'm like, holy crap! Like I like playing uh, in the established thing, partly because I'm lazy, partly because I'm not that confident in my own creation. But then I see what Jeff is spinning, and you have this star cluster, and you have distinct homebrew races. Like I made up a couple homebrew things. Listeners will remember the ant people I made. Um, but like, uh, can you tell me, talk a little bit about some of the, the homebrew species and cultures that, uh, I mean, you kind of are exploring it while Jeff is like parsing it out. So I feel like saying it's just Jeff doing it, uh, gives a little bit of a disservice to you guys as your, as your characters brush up against it. Like every bit of their culture is kind of reflected in how you all perceive them. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, we're definitely... It's collaborative storytelling, so it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But the homebrew races, we actually have uh, Ethan, one of our other players, is playing one of the homebrew races, Kaber, K-A-B-R-E. And uh, Jeff is kind of, I believe his catchphrase for it is like, colorful folk, and it's, really an anything goes type of situation um like horns uh bright skin hair that changes colors or there's an alternate racial that you're just a dull gray uh mm-hmm. and it's like a, a native or an instinctive magic type of race that's just kind of like a a full-grown gnome with a lot <laughs> more variation and uh yes that's what ethan's playing uh callius the caber and um then the other two are the gekarok which is like a frog people uh which there is now an established frog people race (laughs) but or two even but that's at the time there wasn't and then there uh the third one that he came up with was the malorian and it's like an avian race, which yeah. there are a couple of already, but uh, his, I mean, he made it for the world that they're on, and it really fits. So <clears throat> those are the, the homebrew races that Jeff has brainstormed. And uh, I feel like they're all pretty well pretty well established. Like the background lore on a lot of them is really cool, which, I mean, that's the reason Ethan went for the caber, because it was so cool. Yeah. Right on. Uh, and so one of the, the great things about your pod that uh, I just, just gobble up is how, like, uh, distinctive each, each each of the characters, like, have their own thing. So we have uh, Callius the Caber. You play uh, Spathene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have... Uh, you have. I say we. <laughs> I've invested a lot of time in listening. I've been catching up. So uh, uh, you have... Uh, Raxolite, tiny plant guy. We got a drow, got a dwarf. 
Who am I forgetting? Uh, it's like a ghost. ghost. The operative. Android. Yeah. Android, yeah. Uh, so, like, it's, it's it's great to have, like, not only... A, I love it when a, a party is consisted of these different races that have uh, not only, like, different cultural backgrounds, but, like, you have the tiny guy that has to occasionally get around places. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, your character, the Spathene, who is a living swarm of insects. Uh, the, the drow have, like... <laughs> boatloads of their own baggage that uh <laughs> that uh, uh he uh he he does a great job of uh bringing to life uh i think you guys made a couple cracks recent episode about uh the dwarf oh i don't want to spoil so yeah something just happened this past week that the dwarf did that uh just made me cackle this morning um oh and that's another thing uh, to say about your podcast like i love structure Okay, I like structure. My podcast, you know, we have a bit of a severe time constraint. So I need to get in, get the people ready. Uh, I need to do the wrap-up so we can get into the action as quick as possible because of the various time schedules we're dealing with here. What your podcast... (coughs) Wow. What your podcast brings is like a very lived-in session feel like your your episodes never go shorter than two hours uh infrequently you know four hours and up but like for me who loves to binge shows and junk food like it's a my my binge to catch up has been like i feel like you know i've been listening for six hours in my shift that i look I'm like oh i'm only two more episodes in so uh can you tell me a little bit about your guys's session set up like what what that's all about yeah so i mean when we first started playing it was you know you go over someone's house and we'd sit there for three or four hours and just have fun um Mm. or start earlier and bring a meal or you know occasionally you start later uh scheduling conflicts and so when we all ended up moving away we took it online obviously and we just kept the four hour block basically and we Mm -hmm. just have a ball with it um we did debate cutting them shorter but uh we figured it it just uh, we felt like it we could do more so we should type of thing like yeah it's a media that does well with any length really so longer isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily a problem because it's like almost an audiobook format so Perfect. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Because yeah, I I'm also a big audiobook guy. Right. So yeah, you're like in these in these people's worlds. Like sometimes my group, I'll be like, okay, let me just push you onto the next scene. Let me push you. Mm-hmm. Like instead of spending four days in the drift, how about you know I'll ask everyone, does everyone have anything pressing? No. Okay. Star Wars screen wipe. <laughs> you guys have landed at Absalom Station. Let's keep it moving. But you guys. I mean, your your crew gets up to uh, all types of stuff, right? <laughs> it's, it's so Shenanigans. you know that that lived, <laughs> yeah, if you will. Uh, <laughs> just uh, I think back to some of the uh, inter-party strife that your your crew deals with. That uh, I feel like mine could start. Like I feel like things bubble. I feel personalities, uh, character personalities, like rubbing up against each other in certain ways and then when i hear like you know i can start to see a tinder box my mind flashes to some of the stuff your show got up to and i'm like please for the love of god be half as entertaining as what you guys did uh but i won't give any spoilers like everyone should get 
get on after this episode go find sinister shenanigans in space wherever you get podcasts and just start it it's a, it's a damn good binge uh thank you like like yeah i like it's it's nothing at all like lord of the rings uh but i i have i look up and i have like I don't have like I literally have a Gandalf action figure I look at and I feel like this is that epic kind of storytelling where you know you guys are going to be in an elevator for a few minutes and we're going to feel those few minutes as you all debate with each other and it's just yeah. very lived in <laughs> feeling so one of the perks of you guys playing four levels getting into the character getting you know developing that rapport with each other like episode one, like there's no like, why would I adventure with you? Why would I go anywhere with you? It's like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Why am I still with you? <laughs> why don't you heal me first? Yeah. Kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I love it so much. So um, uh, another aspect of your show is, uh, and we, we've talked about it a bit before, um, while you are evil characters and uh, some of the things you get up to are um, um, look, you know, you know, if, if I said, you know, some of the things they do that happened out of context, it sounds reprehensible and deplorable oh, yeah. even. Uh, uh, and they are, <laughs> but also throughout uh, your 48 episodes, you guys are, uh, you guys are killing it with the, the, the lengths mean like you're well over 100 hours. Oh, yeah. Of content out there and it's so good but uh one of the things i like and endear and have kind of tried to take away from as a lesson is uh very little like adult language you want to talk a little bit about because we've talked about it before uh how like not a whole lot of swears it's not a very it's, it's a dark but not very vulgar which i've liked yeah we uh quotes we keep it clean end quotes because uh, <laughs> it's definitely not a pg podcast no but uh, not. yeah it's just there are a couple of us which do use profanity and there are a couple of us which do not and when we mm-hmm. first sat down years and years ago we you know all of that was at the table and the people that did use it did and the ones that didn't didn't and then over time almost as a respect thing uh the people that did just kind of stopped. And at this point we, it's almost like a, how can you tell the story and have that impact without using the, the terms type of thing. And so we feel like it's, uh, or I feel like not necessarily we, but I feel like it pushes us to have a better vocabulary even just yeah. tack it. Uh, the person that plays Draystar He's a librarian. I mean, he throws out a word and we're like, sorry, pause. Let me look that up. <laughs> yep. but, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, especially in an evil campaign to be clean quotes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just it's our personalities, you know, and we just have fun with it. And it just kind of went to the wayside and no one ever thought about it until it got brought up and then we're like oh yeah (laughs) yeah and and i know i bring it up a fair bit because uh due to the way my dumb brain works like i i'm i'm a little bit into my 30s uh i slowly the uh the need for the constant swearing has uh kind of diminished but like (laughs) after listening to you guys like it's become like a, a bit of a respect thing like you know 
I don't, I don't know who falls where in the show. We uh, in the crossover, uh, uh, your your player Skyler, um, <laughs> uh, quickly coined a, a term that my party uh, won't let go of. Like you know, you know, it's that thing where someone tells a joke and like the joke was so good, the punchline was so good, but the punchline's just one word. Right. And like to this day, uh, like it, it's rare. And for longtime listeners, you know the word I'm referring to but won't say here uh it's just become like it's and that's one of the things about the crossover i love so much like it lives on because my (laughs) players won't let the word drop lasting (laughs) impact yeah it's great it's i you know just like you say in quotes clean it's quote unquote great (laughs) and uh so (laughs) so so i can tell like skylar's not one to shy away from but then like as i'm listening to it and i brought it up uh, just in passing in our conversations, just and like, oh, you know what? You're right. I don't need to. It, it's I'm a smart person. Yeah. Uh, ostensibly. Yeah. I, we don't w- like when I talk about it, like I never mean it as like anyone that uses it is dumb or anything like that. Yeah. It's always just a we challenged ourselves type of thing. Exactly. And, and and as I'm listening, like I feel like that not burden of challenge, but that opportunity of challenge. Like, yes, I'm a storyteller. Mm. You know, I'm I'm not George Carlin. Um, not that George Carlin. Uh, <laughs> if you got rid of George Carlin's swears, he would be any less of a dynamo. But like, I'm not. I don't need the shock of certain words that uh, I I use to like punctuate. Like <laughs> your show is quite effective even without it. So it's just a just a fun thing. To, like I would when I tell people, and I tell people often to listen to your podcast. Like first off. They're not great people. Second of all, <laughs> it's it's almost family acceptable. Yeah, but like that almost once again is like carrying very very heavy quotation right. marks. Right, a huge asterisk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, so a l- little bit more about the show. Uh, your role, you play Thanatos. The you guys are up to level thirteen. Fifteen, just hit it. 15 oh grats mm-hmm. so you guys uh not only are you you've had this long to play you guys are playing at such a high level for me who like this, this i'm my, my players are around six level right mm-hmm. now so i'm very confident and competent and comfortable in this area but then i get to hear your guys's adventures and uh your your high level antics like inform me on certain tactics like i'm very much a sponge and a, a cheat and that like you know i'm not going to just <laughs> rip off your characters and just throw them at my people because uh i'd just rather have a crossover where you beat up them up but, like, <laughs> i was gonna say i'd be <laughs> flattered but that works too <laughs> yeah but then like you know i hear like certain uh like your technomancer has a, a kind of a specific build that i like uh the witch warpers you have the envoy uh like you you're playing at such a high level that it's like inspiration for me of like different tactics to use. Mm-hmm. So like how how are you playing how do you feel playing at this level? Uh it's it's a very interesting uh situation I guess cuz Jeff can literally come up with a problem and put it on the table and it's not a like I need to give you a solution type of thing it's literally like you're at the point in the game that you'll figure it out period and he a lot of the time fully expects it he'll come up with a potential out and we never take it and so he just quit (laughs) coming up with them basically and so it's really just a 
what will they do type of thing. And we surprise him as much as we surprise each other and, you know, listeners too. So yeah. it's, it's a very fun, you know, playing the whole game is, is very fun, you know, like getting to, to go through the levels and whatnot. But when you're at high level, like we are, I mean, I get a text and Jeff's like, what do you think you guys will do? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, here's some options, you know, we'll see. <laughs> like, Cause you're yeah. just at that point in the game where everything is an option. Yeah. Yeah. You have so many tools at your disposal, your class abilities at this point, like, uh, it, it, like Jeff would have to like pour over all of them and like try and find that loophole of things you don't have things for. But then you know, the size of your party makes it so mm-hmm. like if one of your parties taken out for whatever reason, in whatever capacity, like, you know, everyone else has all these contingencies and it just feels like such a well-oiled machine at this level mm-hmm. that uh, instead of like being uh, terribly afraid and filled with anxiety about approaching those levels, like, no, this is, you know, this is how you do it. Like they're going to wreck encounters. They're going to almost one shot a boss. <laughs> uh, they're going to use play test classes and uh, completely decimate uh, encounters. And that's just, I mean, that's the role we as GMs play. And it sounds like you have GM experience as well. So, like, we're all, it, it's its fun, its own kind of fun to have your plans, have your have your uh, foes, and then just have your overly prepared, well-practiced team of commandos yeah. come and just stomp through your 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 well-laid plans yeah yeah i mean you're specifically referencing a a one shot we did and that happened (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah high level plays a lot of fun uh and you mentioned we were talking before about and you you were saying how like it wasn't because i recently did a a level 12 one shot for some folks and I think I handled myself well, but like before I like, I felt, felt you out a little bit like, Hey, you know, here's this and this. And I real and you brought up a point when we were talking about it, how, because you eased into this high level stuff, it wasn't anything really. It was just like another level, mm-hmm. another day, uh, cannonballing into high level <laughs> play when I'm used to low level to early mid level, uh, was its own kind of culture shock. And, uh, that's just reminded me like a, an aspect that you bring to the table. Uh, every every party, every production has their roles. GMs deal with you know what they deal with the maps, the encounters, and all that. But you've kind of adopted this, uh, and I mean this in the <laughs> excuse me, uh, and I mean this in the nicest light. You kind of play the role as a rules lawyer in your group. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned, you know, we first started years and years ago. And even then, Jeff wanted to come up with his own setting, and he did. And so while he was tackling that, everyone else kind of had their own jobs. And I picked up the rules, which, I mean, you know, everyone learned them, but I was the one that learned them the best. And so it's just kind of been my role is, hey, this is how that works, but, I mean, do you do you. Your story here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just... Yeah, I just kind of I'm the refresher type of thing, or so yeah. it's just kind of the role that uh, I've picked up, and it's kind of worked for our group. I feel like, and I mean, it's not for everyone, you know, because certainly there are GMs that wouldn't want their toes stepped on type of thing. But <laughs> yeah. Jeff mostly 
enjoys it, appreciates it because it lightens the load on him. Like he doesn't have to go look up the chase rules. He's like, Hey Cam, read these and (laughs) we're good to go. Oh, so will you get like little, like, uh, I I guess production notes like, Hey Cam, I need you to read up on these three mechanics or these three, these three subsystems kind of thing. Do you get like, like, and I know you're experienced enough to not like metagame, but do you get advanced warning on certain things? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are little things like that, like, um, well, I can't read this text because it's a spoiler, but oh. Jeff sent me a text. <laughs> What's the play for blah, blah, blah? Because he, uh, he's not super sure on the rules to solve that problem type of thing. Uh, not to go back to the like present a problem and we'll solve it type of thing we talked about sure. a minute ago, but he'll often ask like, you know, what's what's this do? What's this do? Not that you're gonna see it anytime soon. Winky face, stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. And it's it's a nice like. So you've been playing for years. How many, how long have you been playing together? And like, what brought you all together? If you don't mind Man, uh, going into the way back machine. So. I believe it was junior year of college, so that would be 2015, I believe, so uh, six years now, and what brought us together, I mean, we went to college together, most of us, and uh, Ethan, Matt, myself, and Jeff were the first of us that started playing, and we kind of picked people up as we went, lost some people, gained some new people, you know how it goes. And yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeff came to us one day and was like, "Hey guys, this is uh, this is the line that you don't cross. I want to cross it. Let's play Dungeons and Dragons." And <laughs> we were all, "No, we can't do that. We're nerds, but we're not that kind of nerd." Right? I, I've had that. I've had that exact conversation yeah. where, like, it's that like. There's that stigma still, like not even it's not even that hard of a uh-huh. line, especially, but like it's still like it's still a line where like oh I'm committing like I can quote Clerks movie Star Wars Star right. Trek Lord of the Rings I know alien languages right but like but <laughs> there was always still like yeah but I'm not one of those right I'm not one of those yeah. so that's awesome that you had that yeah. <laughs> had a little sit down yeah no we we did it I mean it's when you're throwing dice you're another level like that's what we legitimately thought and we we held off for a week or two and then um couldn't look jeff in the eye for a few days yeah i mean we were we were still friends (laughs) about it but it was it was uh we were gonna think about it more so and then eventually Mm -hmm. jeff was like look i want to put in all the legwork you guys are just here to have fun um, which of course i then was like look no i can't let you do that and then i learned the rules but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> initially that yep. was how it was sold and we finally were like yeah you know what we'll try it out why not and yeah. it's the best decision i think we've ever made so <laughs> mm-hmm. so when was that in the in the six years the, yeah that was the six year point that was at six years yeah. ago okay so you've been friends for a while of until then yeah, yeah that's when this whole thing opened up so what was your guys's first uh system and adventure Pathfinder. um Oh, nice. Yeah, and Jeff made up a an entire setting, a system. We were based out of a town called Anchor, um, which you may or may not have heard from 
our current podcast because Darflon is in fact Matt's character from our first podcast. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Okay. I was a little curious. Like I, I, I have love for all the species presented in Starfinder. Mm-hmm. So, but like whenever I hear someone like what they chose as their character, I always have uh, like a little bit of like inner monologue with myself or like a little head cane and like, curious of why dwarf like yeah. you know all the all the species have something to offer nothing against the dwarves at all the dwarves in starfinder lore the established lore anyway uh which you guys don't beholden yourselves to mm-hmm. uh i still when i think dwarf i'm like that's a choice i would love i'm curious so cool that's awesome he just just he just uh uh, migrated the uh, the stat block over. Yeah, I mean it's there's some there's some spoilers. Uh, I don't I don't know that it's been established that he is from. Uh, anyway, so there have sure. been sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't... there have been a couple things that have been mentioned here and there of like that's from this, and we try to like not point stuff like that out because there were people not at that table that are at our current table, you know. Um, oh. Gotcha. You know, Tackett, he's a new addition. Joe, uh, well, I mean, none of them were in our initial game, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So, sure. um, there are, we try not to point stuff out, but, and that's another thing I get texts about from Jeff, like, what would so and so do? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> been a while since, anyway, um, these are so <laughs> spoilers, but none of it has come up yet, but we'll see what happens. Uh, right on. I love yeah, that. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so that kind of like leads me to a question I ask all people that produce podcasts in this, in this, these little interviews. Um, so you just put out 48 today. How much of a backlog do you guys have currently just sitting, waiting to be edited and or released? Uh, we release two weeks behind. So, the gotcha. episode we record tonight will be released uh, just shy of two weeks. It'll be released in the morning, two weeks from now. Nice. That's a, that's a, a healthy backlog. You know, if, you know, cancellations. Mm-hmm. Something happens. That's that's good. I've known. I have. Uh, I've had friends that have literally a year of backlog for them to edit and put out, and they are. Uh, <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> uh, but then I know some people, like, if I don't record this week, I don't have anything to put out this week. And that's a tightrope that I don't like anymore. That's part of the reason why these Hangouts started was to help pad, it. Yeah. pad out my backlog. So currently, you know, uh, uh, we've got I've got two interviews and, like, four episodes of backlog. And I feel like that's good. Like, yeah. I don't want to do too much. I don't like having too many things waiting uh, I, I realized last night that uh, certain very old Pathfinder playtest interviews I had, I never released. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Um, but like with this one dropping, that's what made me think of it. Like, oh, no, I need to get someone in here to talk about uh, talk about this class. Because uh, while uh, actually before we before I make that transition. Uh, so is there anything else about your show you'd like to talk about? Because uh, I'm a super big fan. I want everyone to go listen to it. It's it's so much fun. I want to trade inside jokes with other people. <laughs> um, you release weekly, uh, so that's good. So you know, but still, over a hundred hours of backlog. That's that feels very good uh, yeah. for me as a completionist. Yeah, no, I mean we're probably somewhere around one fifty uh, ish 
because wow. they're about three hours. But um, no, I mean, just the, the only thing I would want to say is uh, we are evil. We do mm-hmm. some evil things. We try not to be uh, murder hobo evil with it or anything like that. There are some things that have happened that I, as a person, don't love, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I hate to use the phrase, it's what my character would do, but <laughs> yeah, it it is a thing with evil characters if you're going to play the character and not just play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. So just and a forewarning, like there are a couple things that yeah. I, as a person, don't love, but it is yeah. what it is. Yep. And uh, t- like... In, in defense of some of those things, like some of them are indefensible. Uh, <laughs> but also like it's like you, you're skirting this line of like, you know, I'm being true to the performance. So like I'm not pulling like I say I. So the players aren't pulling punches like, no, I shouldn't do that. This is a podcast like, no, I'm going to we're going to double down on this action. We are going to like, you know, and it doesn't sound like there's any sort of uh, quibbling over it either. Like you mm-hmm. are. You're presented with a scenario. Your characters will act. They will act true to that character. Like, there's no, like, weird uh, waffling that I personally would probably do if it was me trying to uh, be evil for a podcast. I know myself well enough to be like, I would just constantly be looking over my shoulder like, am I going to do this? There's none of that. And I don't know how much of that is in edit, but, like, you're all true to the characters and true to the moment, which is uh, wild, not... (laughs) sunshine and rainbows it is authentic which you know has to carry some yeah i mean we not you brought up editing so i'll mention on it a little bit we don't edit much of our podcasts in the beginning we were more strongly edited but um after playing it for a while and whatnot we (laughs) we've almost let go of editing we're still we still edit our episodes you know we can't publish a raw audio and pretend it's good but uh, yeah. it's it's very minor editing and mm-hmm. uh so you're getting pretty much raw <laughs> right on. for better or That's for awesome. worse so and they, <laughs> i mean if someone yeah. if we do something and it offends someone and they stop listening i respect that i understand um yeah but i well, we try to have fun and that's really all there is to it yep excellent so uh yeah uh once again check them out uh, sinister shenanigans in space follow them on twitter uh, though their social media isn't as active as I, I would love to like I, I retweet basically everything I see uh, but you know social media isn't for everyone and I don't fault anyone like <laughs> for that but uh, follow them on twitter maybe you know if you start flooding their mentions and notifications uh, they'll, they'll, share, they'll share a little bit uh, some of the art like we you've shared with me privately yeah, yeah. Uh, I love uh so follow them on Twitter at Crits and Company uh, for some shenanigans. Okay, see, part of the, like I use the word shenanigans in my daily vernacular. <laughs> so, but when I so when I use it with you, it feels like I'm pandering. <laughs> but I promise, this is just how I no, talk. And uh, uh, one of the things that I, I really do like that uh, you do, uh, whoever does the Twitter does, is uh, they have out of context uh, collages. And you look at it like none of this makes sense. And then, you know, I, I look at it after listening to an episode and I just my, my face goes into my hand. I'm like, oh, my God, they that's what that's what that was. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. There are some podcasts that will do like snippets in the beginning of what's going to happen that episode. 
And I mean, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I like it, but I also don't want the spoilers. And the picture is a good. Yeah. You'll you'll never realize it until you realize it, and then you're like, oh, no. that. Certain recent episodes, I'm like, I saw it. And I'm like, I'm going to open that image in a new tab. Oh yeah. That way, when I finish the episode, I can look at it, and then just like, oh, it, it's 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 so good. Very very well done. Very good, like steady hand on like. Uh, kind of the creative process like you know we're going to give a little but uh, like you said like you don't want to give stuff away mm-hmm. it doesn't give it away at all so i i very much appreciate the effort given there yeah, i don't make so, those so i will pass the word along okay. <laughs> perfect love it uh so yeah all that to say you know uh cam's podcast he's a uh, very much the rules guy uh we're very we're both you're more active than i am i'm just not very conversational <laughs> But uh, I lurk on the uh, quote-unquote official uh, Starfinder Discord server, and I feel like that's where I found you, discovered your... I mean, I had to have been. It wasn't Twitter. Um, but, you know. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, you found us on there. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you got to chatting. You know, you, you'd post. I would You would mention, like, oh, on my podcast, and I'm like, must have. Give now. <laughs> give info. And uh, so, you know, you're, you're a constant force of uh, people ask questions. You give a, even when the questions aren't polite or uh, <laughs> in good faith given, you're very steady, like, well, here's this, here's this. But then, you know, talk to your GM. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of, you know, we've developed, a, that's how we, that's how we were introduced. That's how we got to knowing each other. And uh, so that's why I wanted you here to talk about this. Uh, playtest class, the evolutionist. Oh, I guess I should probably have that up. Yeah, the evolutionist. Um, first comments are going to be the flavor on this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you do nothing else, go home and read the flavor on this class. Yes. Yep. So yeah, uh, yeah. So the the playtest just went out this past week. Uh, so, something just a little side note for me is uh, when the precog and, and nanosite uh, and the mech playtests went out, there was just a, a wildfire going off. Like everyone was talking about them, everyone was theory crafting, everyone was. Uh, uh, so, some people were thumbing their nose at it, as nerds will. But then when the evolutionist dropped, I've noticed just personally there's not been as much fervor, and I kind of want to stir that up just. For, for my own benefit. Um, so this is this conversation is kind of why I'm pushing this convo uh, in this interview to be released as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, you want to give us a little bit of the, the background flavor of the evolutionist? Yeah. Uh, so evolutionist, it's about evolving, uh, not just augmenting yourself, because that's kind of a thing in the game already, augmentations, mm-hmm. but evolving, adapting, uh, to your end goal and to the situation. And some of the flavor is uh, you transform yourself into a powerful being better suited to achieving your goals, a ferocious chimera, an undead scion, a mm-hmm. cybernetic paragon, or anything in between, uh, stuff like that. And the you are adaptable, unadaptable combatant who forges your destiny in flesh, bone, or steel. It's a It's a great class it sounds fantastic and a lot of its mechanics are fantastic as well 
I mean, as with every play test, there are things people don't love, but <laughs> yeah, the class itself is, I'm happy, uh, I'm happy for it and I'm pumped to see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit, uh, of the mechanics behind it, uh, this is a strength or dex based class. Uh, we, when we kind of like, we're, we're spitballing ideas on this conversation, you know, the, like it's, it's kind of a martial class. It's, uh, you, you speak a little better on the mechanics. So you want to speak a little more about like what this, what this class will offer as far as what a player, if they're wanting to play this, play test this, have this in their game. What is it that, what kind of a player would want to, for yeah yeah what kind of role would fill at the table uh, exactly yeah so i'll go through and mention some of their big things right quick and i mean we can dive into them sure. more in a bit but the yep. one of the core features of the class is it's adaptive strike and you you have like a natural weapon like sharp sharp teeth a club-like tail fiery wings uh so again flavor is <laughs> phenomenal um yeah and then You've got the evolution pool, which is kind of the resource the class manages through its day-to-day or round-by-round, I guess, more technically. And then Mm -hmm. you've got the niche, which is essentially your end goal as an evolutionist. Are you trying to become a lich? Are you trying to become a paragon of magic? Are you trying to become a robot? Um, So it's, it's really cool stuff. And then... It, the class has its uh, adaptations, which are it's every couple levels you can pick something new type of thing. And so the class, it also comes with a skill focus, uh, the evolutionary focus, sorry, the skill boost and flexible skill are the, the mm-hmm. sort of skill focus the class gets, which most classes have something to that effect. Um, and so the class is... It's almost in an odd position if you look at it mechanically because the BAB, the base attack bonus on the class, is a three-quarter BAB class. So it it's not quite up there with a soldier. It's more in the skill monkey camp with with the lower BAB and the, the more good save situation. But then when you look at it's like skill ranks per level, you only start with four plus your intelligence so once you get to the level where you start getting flexible skill and whatnot you can eventually get more skill ranks but at first it's it's kind of it wants to be a marshal and it wants to be the skill guy but it's not quite there for either yet uh so it's kind of an odd spot but i feel like now what was that do you think this? Uh, do you think this odd spot is actually could be considered like this is an opportunity spot? Like odd, yes, but also like this will fill to 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 use the word in the thing. Would it fill a niche for like someone <laughs> who doesn't want to commit to skill monkey versus combatant? Uh, I think I think when it comes out officially, yes. Right now, mm-hmm. it's kind of lacking on the out of combat uses. I mean, it, it does have its skill bonus, flexible skill stuff. So it does kind of have a little bit going for it. But uh, the out-of-combat potential of the class is a little less than I would like to see from that. That I'm not quite a skill monkey 
because I mean, if you look <laughs> at an operative, that is, I do every skill. Or <laughs> yes. or you have like the soldier, which is I smash. Uh, it's yep. it it needs just a little bit more on the skill side, I feel like, and I think it would nail the niche. Yeah. Um, so uh, I did have a note. Uh, what, so one of the first of these Hexgrid Hangouts I did was with the GM for the Space Boys podcast, Chase. Uh, we were He was kind of you know feeling people out about this. And uh, he writes in his Discord server. Uh, also, he, he's loving the drawbacks. A little worried about the three-quarters BAB and the need to spend EP to bring it up. It feels like the other abilities may not give it enough spunk to make up for the fact that it feels like it's slightly less damaging and lower to hit than a Solarian. So you kind of touched on the three quarters BAB and the, the, the EP is its its own thing that we can get into. Um, but uh, partly I wanted to just give him a shout out and let him know that I did shout him out. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, like, I, so I guess a little tiny bit of background on me. Like I brought you in because uh, you're great to chat with. You're very knowledgeable uh, especially around mechanics and rules, I'm not very rules mechanics minded. I I kind of trust Paizo's stat blocks and make my tweaks where I feel I can uh, make them punchier or you know if, if I want a flavor yeah. is kind of the way I, I approach it. So like when when I look at this thing, I look at the flavor and I kind of almost turn a blind eye to the mechanics, uh, uh, the actual like raw data the, the numbers involved the the, the the graphs that i'm sure nerds will be making <laughs> about <laughs> where it falls as far as damage output which uh you know fair play to them you know we all enjoy this this hobby in our own way but uh, when i look at this i see yet another way to uh make uh, uh and because everyone not everyone because it's frequently asked for i feel like this would be a cool version of a sci-fi monk class yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the adaptive strike, fiery wings, porcupine quills. Like you've got a lot of yeah. natural weapon options. Uh, it could it could very easily do a monk very well. I feel like. So yeah, and then Chris, right? Yep. Uh, Chase, Chase. Sorry. Um, yeah, what Chase said about uh, his initial thoughts and whatnot. I will preface. Well, I should have prefaced earlier, but I will preface this conversation <laughs> with I have not got to playtest one of these. So yeah. anything I say, please take with a grain of salt. Uh, theory is great, but please playtest. So um, what he brings up? Uh, please playtest and then like let us know what you think because yeah. I would love to hear – because I, I fully intend to be making at least one of these in the, in the coming weeks – um, so we have about a month of the, the official play test being open, but yeah, if you play this and, you know, find our following thoughts to be woefully inadequate, I love being told right, I'm wrong. Right. Uh, that's why I have Sean in my player, uh, Sean in my party. Uh, <laughs> right. please let me know. <laughs> so, so yeah, 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 yeah. But no, his, his initial assessment is from what I'm seeing, it's pretty accurate. You know, there's a lot of the E people you want to build it, but you want to spend it for these cool effects and there's a I mean there's definitely a give and a take to the class in general with the the drawbacks and the the benefits that you get for building your pool and whatnot and mm -hmm. I it's a extremely flavorful class I cannot stress that enough because 
mm-hmm. just suffering a drawback in exchange for your instinct. It's it's got a really cool feel to it, but uh, I do feel the EP situation could be a little more refined. That's mostly what I'm yeah. looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the the, the evolution point pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, at first level, you can have a maximum of five EP. This increases as you level up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you maintain it uh, as you gain it. Your body and mind increasingly takes on a supernatural aspect. Uh, various flavorful, again, flavorful ways this manifests itself, and that's entirely up to the player. Uh, you're given by by you know by leveling this up and living as this character you're given three effects two of which will be beneficial and one drawback mm. uh your your drawback and one of your instincts are based on uh your niche which we can get into uh, but uh each of these evolution points that you uh gain is uh so you gain them just by having them but by using them uh, you want to run down a couple of your favorite uh, ways of using EP? Yeah, like you mentioned, you gain them just from existing, basically, in a stressful situation, which, um, yeah. yeah, you just you gain them from existing. Basically, each round you gain one up to your maximum, and then you have various ways of spending them. So uh, probably the biggest one that most people are going to use is that you can spend one EP to make attacks as if your BAB from your evolutionist levels were equal to your evolutionist level because that's going to up your combat potential a lot. And that lets the class fill that martial role a lot better. But in doing so, you essentially keep your EP pool at zero because round one, you gain one round one you spend one type of thing mm-hmm. so yeah. s- stuff like that it's an interesting dynamic to have established but uh, some of the cooler ways to spend ep are like when you hit level 18 and you pick the fission form adaptation you can clone yourself mm-hmm. and run around <laughs> with two of you beating people up so stuff like that is super cool super flavorful yeah. like you can throw an area of effect and explode a hail of projectiles in a 20 foot cone or something like that if you choose to spend the ep for that as well but there's a lot of cool options for spending it and whatnot and uh if you build it though you also gain like resistances or immunity stuff like that uh a critical effect and then obviously your drawbacks yeah, which uh, we we were kind of chatting a little bit about them before about how like uh, if you're uh, there's a there's a magic one where uh, it's very good you know is you're leaning more into the magic side of uh, your your build uh, if you run into non magical foes <laughs> you're going to be taking a, a massive not, I say massive you take a sizable amount of extra damage because they aren't magical and i could see like you know uh i i like to theory craft like you know uh you know a party run up in this scenario this is how you know this class and this class will handle it like this one it's 
it's in the name, the evolutionist, the adaptations are all there. So it's, it's fun to see how it would uh, manifest in various different scenarios. Yeah. Uh, Eldritch, the magic one is, it's one of the most flavorful in my opinion. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. if you've got a caster friend, they'll love you because you can boost <laughs> DCs, boost caster level yep. for spell resistance. It's just a lot of cool things you can do. Uh, and then, the drawback as you mentioned is when you get hit by that paper sword or whatever mundane threat it hurts <laughs> yep so excellent so uh and running through some of the uh the, the other abilities you get you know you get the adaptive strike at one you get your your skills uh you get your ep and that goes up uh you hit level two, you get an augmented form. And this is where we were talking earlier, how augmentations uh, kind of play into this. You, because of your focus on uh, augmenting, uh, adapting your body uh, through science, magic, etc., cetera, uh, you're able to reduce the cost of uh, augmentations associated with which, whatever niche you choose by 10%, which I know some players go hog wild with augmentations and i know some players that like like literally not literally they 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 turn their nose up when you hear the word necrograph they're like oh i would never put a dead thing (laughs) in my body (laughs) and yet uh just like a quick uh, editorial like when people get knee surgery hip surgery they sometimes get cadaver material so like it's not as gross as everyone makes it seem i mean if you have a rotten hand that you use to uh enervate people Yes, that's quite gross, but right. like, you know, augmentations in this aspect, you hit level two, you get a 10% discount, depending on how your GM does uh, loot and stuff, like, this could be uh, a great way for just to customize it even further. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, evolutionist adaptation at second level as well, you, uh, you gain... Your, your body just adjusts to the abilities uh, and you choose them, you know, based on your build, based on whatever niche you choose. But then the fulcrum you mentioned, that talisman, uh, kind of a bit like a spell focus, it kind of feels like to me. Uh, like it's this thing that that uh, helps you channel your supernatural energies into your uh, adaptive strikes and stuff like that. And you mentioned Lich earlier, like that full-on sounds like uh, we're getting phylacteries, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone get ready for this. Yeah, yeah. The fulcrum uh, is like a which, turkey baster full of flavor, basically. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, which uh, you can also put fusions in this thing. And uh, I know we talked about how this is a little bit of a martial class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't... What was the phrase you used? You can't put a fusion in your hands, or you can't apply a fusion to your hands. And in this way having this fulcrum is what will let you be able to have, I think the example you used was ghost killer. Yeah. yeah you can't punch a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with a fulcrum, <laughs> you can do it. So it's, yep. it's great. The class needs it. Natural weapon builds in general need something like this. So it's a good call on Paizo to add it. Yep. Uh, looking more at some of the stuff they have, uh, you get weapon spec, of course, as always. One feature that I really enjoy, and, I, and I, I'm very much looking forward to hearing uh, players of mine and other podcasts use it, is uh, the fifth ability, Evolution Drain. You want to talk about that a little? 
Yeah, evolution drain. Uh, again, it's another flavor injection. You leach genetic material and raw evolutionary potential. Uh, it's it's one of your other ways to build your EP pool. You can essentially choose to steal it and you mm -hmm. punch someone and they don't feel so good after because you stole some of their genetic material. Uh, or you've <laughs> got the option of if you hit, you can, as a reaction, gain that EP as well. But that's a little more limited. So it's not like exploited as much. But uh, Evolution Drain is definitely one of the the two ways so far to build your EP pool. And it kind of like that sapping ability you're doing, like that that you know not not strictly vampire, but like something that drains. Yeah. The, the in the uh, the uh, stat the condition that it, it uh, provides as well, huge. Uh, and you know at lower well you get that at five. So like when you hit mid level, like this is what this class is going to be doing to help tweak things instead of just being a marshal instead of you know you know doing any sort of battlefield control. Like this is how they can help out the party hit better by applying these effects which right. as we all know starfinder one of the only ways you're one of the few ways to really die in this is uh to be unfortunate enough to uh contract or uh, attract uh, a condition <laughs> that lasts for a bit yeah. yeah uh let's see here uh, so uh so there's focuses you can have and uh we kind of talked a little bit uh, about uh, augmentations where like you're focusing uh, within. So, okay. So I guess before we talk about the focus, we should talk about what niches are and what, uh, what they provide and what they do. So you mentioned the Eldritch mm -hmm. one. Uh, you intend to gradually metamorphose into a fantastical or extra planar being. Magical energy flows through your veins and deflects spells, yet the more you embrace this influence, the more toxic the mundane world becomes, which, as I read that out loud, it feels corruption-y <laughs> for, uh, for Starfinder players that are familiar with the corruption rules. Like, you're you're really, like, locking in on, like, yeah, in this sci-fi, sci science fantasy world, I'm focusing more on the magic. Uh, you go up against a, a troop of mundane uh, uh, grunt soldiers with mundane <laughs> p uh, tactical pistols. Yeah. You're going to be taking that drawback where you'll be taking additional damage equal to half of your evolution plus however much uh, evolution points you're storing. So to your point earlier about how you know you want to gain it, but you also want to spend it because the more you have like this this drawback is going to create uh, a, a real give and take on how you want to play and it again this more customization of how you want to play it how your character would risk it yeah. to have yeah. it um other niches once you uh, want to talk about the uh, uh mechanized one uh, yes, yeah, so mechanize the augmentation type is cybernetics. You essentially gain a, a limited form of hardness as your instinct. And the drawback is whenever you take damage that does not hit your hardness, because it's a limited form, it, it hits you harder. Uh, similar to the mundane with the eldritch. So sort of your your robot weakness is uh, 
<laughs> well, you get to pick it, but uh, you're going to take a little bit more damage from it. And, you know, there are a number of benefits or side effects to becoming more robotic. And, you know, some mm -hmm. of the things you get are when someone hits you, you can vent plasma at them. And that's <laughs> yeah. wildly flavorful. Uh, you can uh. reboot yourself as you level up, essentially, and uh, just become better type of stuff until you eventually become a construct. And that's yep. the end goal there. So if you're playing an android and you're mechanized evolutionist, you're trying to purge the organic side. And the flavor is Which phenomenal there. Yeah, uh, the, the, the chance for role play, all of this is like, you know, these play tests are, here are the mechanics, here are the abilities, break them, twist them, you know, shatter them, let us see what you do, but like, I, I've been doing this, we've, you've been doing it, we've all been doing this long enough for, uh, and I'm just a little surprised that I'm now at this point where like, I'm reading between the lines a bit, like, what you said about purging, you mentioned it, the uh, purging, the organic side of you, like, the role play of that, the, the, you know, your players, your, your party members start seeing like, uh, uh, your, your forearm no longer is flesh. It's, it's a, it's a panel. Like you have a three PO leg, uh, one, one week they roll up, you, uh, go out for a mission and you know what, they, they've got a, a flat affect all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I could just see so much cool ways of, uh, flavoring, this this change and it's just really uh dramatic for me to to follow along with uh next one uh then you can read the the final one the the sepulchral 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 whatever uh <laughs> undead uh you're trying to uh gain undead immortality on your own terms uh, when uh, while unliving energy strengthens your body and grants you the supernatural power over life and death, you also develop certain unnatural hungers that uh, again more of the kind of leads into kind of a corruption vibe. If uh, if you don't keep this in check, your transformation while you're trying to seek you know very much lich while you're trying to seek this perfect form, uh, it may tear your body apart. And this is where. Uh, you'll be focusing on getting necrographs. This is where uh, uh, your your mysticism will be applied. Your your instincts are uh, you'll you'll do increased damage to a living creature, and that that stacks. So you know if you're playing a, a playing a campaign where you're not fighting a lot of undead, you're gonna you're gonna just be great. And I like I have this vision of this kind of dark I'm like I, you when you hear undead you know you think ooh evil baddie probably mm -hmm. but starfinders uh eoxians we got a whole planet full of undead people there and they're <laughs> while, while the lore says you know there's a uncomfortable peace at the moment like it's fun to now be able to like lean into that a bit more because that's something undead as i've seen it uh, in my few years of a starfinder experience it's been like undead equals bad uh oh i worship god that hates undead so uh, any undead encounter is going to be just uh, a free-for-all massacre uh but with that uh undead drawback uh once per round while you have at least one ep po uh, evolution point and you reduce a living creature to zero 
uh, HP with your adaptive striking, you must attempt a will save. Uh, if you fail, you must take your first action of your next turn to either make another attack or take a move action. So like it's kind of like you know you get this bloodlust as they mentioned. Um, yeah. Where and like that just like it just I've been playing a lot of uh, Elder Scrolls uh, again because. <laughs> I like comfortable things and it just like makes me think of those uh undead barrows you run into the uh the liches the uh wow all the different terms for liches i just completely space even though i fight them all on the, the regular yeah 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 so, <laughs> so like another uh fun step uh or ability would be called grim harvest uh, as a reaction when you either reduce a significant em- enemy to zero or a significant enemy, and wow, enemy really, Don. Uh, you can harvest uh, where you're like uh, absorbing uh, even more evolution points because you're feasting uh, in in whatever way you want to imagine it. But like I imagine them, either you know energy beam sapping it, or I could see people flavoring it as like, no, I'm going to chow down on this uh, security <laughs> yeah. guard we took down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I know people who are going to uh, really dig into some of the uh, darker uh, stereotypes and yeah. tropes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you know, you get uh, your niche metamorphos- metamorphosis at twenty. You become undead and you are straight up a lich. Yeah. And uh, I just I'm so looking forward to seeing adventures like that. Maybe not playing in them, but like <laughs> observing through a podcast form. Definitely want to hear those stories. Yeah, it's about as close to a corruption as you can get without an actual corruption, and it's it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hit us with that final one? Uh, yeah, yeah. So vital. Uh, you are a riot of biological potential. So if you're an android, you're purging the machine, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, rampant life energy heals your wounds. This one, the augmentation type is biotech, and the instinct is that you regain more hit points and stamina whenever you're healed. Uh, the drawback, though, is that you take a penalty on your will saves and can't use any abilities that require patience or concentration, such as spellcasting. <laughs> so it's, it's kind yeah. of an odd dynamic that it presents where you're almost raging but you also oh, heal yeah. better. So it's it's a it's an interesting drawback that they chose for the the life one, but uh mm-hmm. I'd love to see how they play out. Which I mean spellcasting as a uh evolutionist isn't a concern, but it could be if you multi class or chose some really unique build options. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so biotic invigoration, the first level ability is you can literally recharge yourself. You can just heal, uh, which is a great thing to be able to do as a swift action uh, to boost yourself back up and stay in the fight. And then you can later take a guarded step as a swift action, or even more than a guarded step, until you eventually become your choice of aberration, monstrous humanoid, ooze, or plant. And you yep. get you know number of benefits like that from that like immunity to crits. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, 
I will say on the vital one, the niche metamorphosis, you gain immunity to critical hit effects and you reduce any damage you take from critical hits by an amount equal to 20 plus your key ability score modifier. You still take the critical hit damage, you just take a lot less. You aren't immune yeah. to critical hits, just the effects. It's a, it's a distinction worth mentioning. I Yes, I can. Yeah, as you said that, like I, I can see. I'm, I'm probably guilty of it. I could see that one getting uh, ignored, just you know, just read past it and forget it. But uh, as you were talking about it, like I kept saying, Lich. We both have mentioned Lich's uh, with the sepulchral stuff. It's very iconic. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about Vital, my first thought was going uh, uh, Wolverine uh, in X Men. Yeah. yeah. Like you got advanced healing, uh, you know your your reflexes are better. So like I I'm very much looking forward to seeing unex, uh, unexpected or maybe less uh, less easy uh, uh, thematics that people choose to do it. But yeah, that one looks that one sounds a lot of fun. I can imagine. I've played. I've made a couple like magic lists hunter type people and i could see like this being a great yeah. option for that kind of thing. yeah wolverine is uh, about as perfect a fit for this as you could come up with yeah, yeah. you heal better and you get a little ragey yep yeah <laughs> okay uh, i don't want to go through and list all the adaptations because there are a lot of yeah. them what i would like to do about talking about them though is uh something you kind of mentioned in our in our conversation before about uh, the uh, the economy, uh, the use of the uh, evolution points, and how how this balancing act uh, will will dictate how effective it is in action. Right. So probably my biggest concern with the class is the evolution point pool, uh, evolution pool, the EP. Uh, also because it shares the abbreviation that entropy points uses ep so <laughs> yeah i'd love to see a rebranding but we'll see what happens <laughs> uh but the pool is almost designed for you to just build it and sit on it because you know you gain all these benefits as you have more and theoretically you've accepted the drawback uh but then there's also the the paradigm there of you want to spend them so spending ep is how you get full vab or uh you can quick draw if you spend ep stuff like that and uh then when you get down to the adaptations at level two and further you can essentially gain new ways to spend ep or ways to augment when you do spend ep uh, and this is where the class really really shows a strange paradigm to me a, an odd juxtaposition of wanting to conserve your ep but also wanting to spend it and that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing that i feel like needs to be ironed out uh the first thing that pops to my head is like a grip pool style from pathfinder first edition it starts full yeah. and you drain it and then you have ways of regaining it uh how that would actually turn out will depend i mean we'll see i have my hopes but i'm going to play test mm -hmm. it before i implement any homebrew for sure yeah. because yes. you know it might play great it might just seem like on paper it's a problem uh, because i mean when you come down here to the adaptations you have dazzling outburst the first one as a reaction when you spend two ep or more 
So this is one that augments it. You can dazzle people around you if you spend four or more. Since the end of your last turn, you can blind someone. And then at level two, if you look at your options for spending evolution points, they're either a reaction, like when you vent plasma as a mechanized evolutionist, or your option to spend two points would be to gain a climb speed so or a swim speed so you're essentially as a swift action you become good at climbing and then you blind everyone around you as your reaction so it's <laughs> yeah it's kind of an odd position to put the class in and i mean there are a couple more adaptations that have similar uh effects that i think might could use some work because to only be able to use dazzling outburst if you want to swim is a little restrictive but it will see how it turns out um when you look through the adaptations though you see it's really a a reactive class uh almost trying to get as much of it as it can out of each action which is something you and i've talked about a little bit before it's really like a we're at that point in the game where i'm going to use my swift action i'm going to use my move action i'm going to use my standard action like you're getting that hundred percent out of your turn and yeah. and that's uh and i yeah i had that kind of thought yeah. about you know we're we're enough years into the system now uh the developers have seen how people play their characters and there are i, I i'm guilty of it i've seen it i've ran people with it where you know they have uh their standard and if that doesn't go well they 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 feel like their entire turn is wasted right. you know and this feels like uh, a step towards uh uh revolutionizing uh, evolutionizing uh, uh, move economy thank yeah. you uh, <laughs> where you're using and you know I don't see them doing a, a 2e starfinder anytime soon I think it's way too early right. for that but like uh, little patch notes if you will of of um, things you can do like you know enhance the list because I have a, a GM screen I play all online but I still refer back to it all the time because of all the different actions you can do the list is quite narrow uh, for you know swifts and uh, moves. So this this feels like uh, I mentioned earlier how it's a it's a doesn't want to be combatant doesn't want to be skill monkey like this is filling that niche and this is once again like filling in another area of the game that could be uh, I don't want to use the word evolved but it's a per- perfect word there. Yeah, it, it really is. Okay, so yeah, the adaptations they all and they just get cooler as you level up. Obviously, the the stuff you do. You mentioned fission form. I, I very much want to see. Uh, I want to see that. Uh, looking at uh, some of the fourteenth level stuff, it's like it's all like I want to just lock myself in a cabin for a month with like three other people. And then just hammer out playing this. And I feel like that's probably what the devs do in, in their own mm-hmm. way. But it's just, it's just so many cool abilities. And I want to do them all. And then like as a player, I think uh, you talk about the evolution point. Uh, the, the back and forth is like, I want to do my abilities, but I need to hold them. And uh, when you think of the other classes that have certain re- resources like uh, Solarians... You know they're they're attuning each turn to do the cool stuff, but they get to use it real rapid fire things. Right. Uh, 
a, a little relatively quicker, I feel, than uh, evolutionists might, unless you're a harvester that's going to be draining <laughs> a lot of people. Like, it's going to take you a little bit to gain these, and until you get to mid-level play, your, your combats may not see you get to use many options, which um, is a thing to consider. But then uh, you think of the Vanguard, you know, basically anything they do is in line towards gaining a point or more, right. uh, depending on what happens. Uh, you think about, you know, the, uh, the, the keystone abilities of the classes, uh, operatives with their trick attack, uh, the, the exocortex and drones of the mechanic. Like, this one feels like it's going to require a little bit more patience <clears throat> to, uh, to, to see you kind of shine, I feel, almost. But, you know, what you can do is great. Uh, I just really want to get in and feel how this plays, basically. So, again, yeah, there, there, there's going to be a disclaimer probably at the beginning of the episode as well about like you know, we're just a couple of nerds talking about a thing we really really like but we have zero practical application i haven't right. even done a google doc of a character yet right but, i haven't had a chance to sit down and play one this is just what i'm <laughs> yeah. reading and seeing yeah i mean you can crunch oh, okay. numbers too you know like uh, i could be wrong sorry, I, yeah i mean i could be wrong but it it looks like you can match the damage of a combat focused soldier with an evolutionist if you you know pick the right niche you pick the right focus you know combat focus sepulchral sepulchral niche <laughs> and you're hitting with your kc attacks dealing 8d10 per hit three times plus 5d10 <laughs> from the combat focus plus all the bonus damage for hitting a living creature from being undead and you can really I think the math is in favor of the evolutionist for highest damage right now, but mm -hmm. that's it, it's a little interesting because it's a three quarter BAB class, so you would think it wouldn't be. But and I need to run the numbers again. Don't quote me; it's been a minute mm -hmm. since I've seen them <laughs> run because I didn't run them yeah. the first time myself. But uh, it, it's a class that it can hit, uh, so it. It's yep. an odd spot, kind of, to be a martial, but also a skill monkey. Um, but I hope yep. that it fills the niche very well, and so I'm I'm pumped to see what comes out of this class. Same here. Yeah, uh, and thinking of some of the recent play tests, uh, the the precog class was, and I I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on uh, the the the. the outcry that class brought when people saw decks as a casting stat people just didn't see anything else they couldn't see the forest for the trees yeah. because they saw decks they saw casting and they saw red mm -hmm. um <laughs> but with this i hope that uh, our conversation and others when they actually play it you know you see the three-quarter bab and you don't just dismiss it out of hand because the flavor and i feel like the uh the adaptation effects kind of make up for it. Like, uh, like, like I said earlier, status conditions, diseases, the the, uh, the effects uh, are every much every much as important in this as sheer numbers. Like, you know, you don't get you don't get those big numbers, possibly, but it sounds like you might still even get those big numbers. Yeah, the right like, even if 
yeah, you, even if you aren't optimized, you're still being a very much a solid team, uh, sorry, uh, solid party member as far as uh, team cohesion. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think the, I I, I want to see where it goes. You know, I think it'll it'll work. Um, the the precog cryouts for dex casting, I get, <laughs> but. If you look at it, that's not the worst part of the class. So you guys should have play tested it and then seen what the problem was and then cried out. But we'll yeah. see how that one shakes out in a couple months. Uh, yeah, November. Yep. Yeah, because we're, we're getting nanosite at the end of this month. Uh, November will be precog, and then this one is in an as yet unnamed hardcover rule book. Right, and if you if you tried to math it out, it looks like it'll be about when we get the nano site, but next year. So roughly a year and some change from now. Plenty of time to show Paizo that three quarters BAB isn't so bad. Right. Right. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I'm honestly, I'm fine with it staying three quarters. I'd like it to have some more skill options, more out of combat picks, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like if I'm growing wings, I should be able to fly over the trap, but we'll see what happens, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, that's good. I like it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So final thoughts, I feel like they're shared between us. Uh, flavorful cannot be, cannot be understated. No, they cannot be overstated. Yeah. Uh, it is such good flavor, such good variety, uh, for any sort of build you want to make that is going to be, uh, unarmed strikey. Uh, right. and then, you know, we, we, we both want to see like it fleshed out in non-combat because uh, despite uh, certain uh, recent ruminations like this this game we play and produce shows for, uh, while the role play and the stories is my biggest thing, this is still largely a combat game. Right. And, and we're just going to have to... like right, th right. This is why we get these kind of play tests. We get the combat portion yeah. because this is what the people want to... This is what the the, the layman, the, the entry people, not just them, but like when you want to showcase a system, it's not like, hey, here's here's all the cool RP and lore. We can dump all the RP and lore, but like when you show them these abilities, this is where uh, these kind of systems, you, you can't do... I mean, you can do similar things, but this flavor in this system, this is unlike much of what we've seen already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Starfinder flavor, lore, everything is some of the most phenomenal I've ever seen. It's the reason I love the system. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, this is a combat-oriented game, and combat is a big thing. So mm -hmm. I I would love to see more yeah skill-based stuff the flavor of this class is it does not let you down but we'll see how it shakes out and i'm happy to see what comes from this and i think they'll do it right so yeah yeah awesome so uh that was our show uh everyone please please go like follow subscribe leave reviews listen to sinister shenanigans in space wherever you get podcasts cam in the 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 team uh are uh putting out a great great story great combat great use like we talked about skills your 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 party is 
excellent at utilizing every aspect of their classes in all aspects of the game. So, like, you know, if you want to, like, really dig into this show, it deserves a whole lot more love than I'm currently seeing it get. <laughs> Thank you. And by triune i'll make it happen uh so yeah <laughs> cam uh thank you so much for coming here and hanging out with me and uh looking forward to uh chatting playing and uh just discussing starfinder again real soon yeah no thanks for having me man